Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Well, good morning, Harbor Church. How's everybody doing today? That's not too bad. All right. All right. Uh, a little bit different than last week, and that might help that the Bruins won last night, so that's a better start to this Sunday. Um, man, I'm so glad you guys are here. Thank you for coming being a part of our services today. I know a lot of you are tuning in live right now. Thank you. Thank you for checking out Harbor Church. My name is Josh. If you're new here, if this is one of the first times that you've been here, I'm the pastor at Harbor Church, and I'm, man, I'm just excited that we get to spend a few minutes together today talking about what it is that uh, God is trying to show us from His Word, just getting to sing some of the songs that uh, we just had in the time of worship. I love that. That last song we sang said, this is my surrender. This is what I'm laying down. And uh, last week we kicked off a series called I'm Perfect or Imperfect, if you really want to dig into it. This idea that I think I get things right. I think I've got it. Like I'm, I'm really getting into the Bible. I'm really trying to be a good person. I'm trying to do this stuff. And we begin to pat ourselves on the back for things that we're actually not as good at as we think we are. And, and if you're really going to have God speak into your life, you're going to have to recognize that you're not perfect. He is. You're imperfect, and he is perfect, and he's the one that works in us and, and begins to do a work inside of us to make us more like Christ. And now this is a heavy concept because I know some of you, maybe those of you watching or some of you here, you're on the fence on whether you want to believe in Jesus, if you want to even put your faith there. And I'm so glad that you're at church today. I hope that as you kind of lean into what it means to know God, to have a relationship with him, that you'll begin to understand that it was because Jesus was perfect that he made the perfect sacrifice. And two weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, which is where Jesus sacrificed himself, even though he hadn't done anything wrong, to pay for all of our sins. And so we looked at this last week when we kicked off this series, this idea of perfection, that Jesus is the one that perfects us. Jesus is the one that did it all right, and you and I have a tendency to do it all wrong. And if we're going to be open and honest with ourselves and in a conversation between us and God, he might show us some things that we're not as good as we think we are. Last week, we touched on the idea of humility. And so we're going to play off of that. If you weren't here for that message, you can go watch that. Check that out last week. It's going to take humility, and you're going to have to set down your pride in order to admit that maybe you need to work on a few things. Maybe you, you need to sharpen the, the, the edge here in, in the way you act and the way you interact and the way that you talk to other people, you may need to do some things that will help speak to uh, what it is that God wants to do in your life. And because this is such a huge topic, I'm going to go, this is going to, today's message is going to take about two and a half, three hours. And so <laughs> I don't feel bad. Some of you went and sat through Avengers for three hours. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, just kidding. It's going to be about 20 minutes, but um, that's not true either. Um, <laughs> today we're going to look at uh, an area that I do think that uh, some of us struggle with, even though we may not recognize that we struggle with it. Jesus has a famous message that he gave, um, and Jesus, because he was a radical kind of rabbi, he didn't just stay in the temple. Jesus did it different. He did, like in the old, in, in the time when Jesus grew up, the rabbis would make people come to temple, get ceremonially clean, then they would unroll a scroll, and then they would read to the people, and then they'd roll the scroll back up, and that's what you got for church. Jesus is like, I'm going to take church to people who don't come to temple, which is why I think 
a real church, Harbor Church, and any church that really claims Jesus needs to be going out into the community. You heard Jen talking about highway cleanups and, and prom you know, setups and Mother's Day diaper drives. Those are all things for us to go out and be a part of what's going on around us. You don't just expect people to come in. And so Jesus goes out into a mountainside and he begins to give his sermon, what is famously called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, you may or may not have heard this growing up, but he gave what is called the Beatitudes. And Jesus says a bunch of things that, um, you know, he, he likens if we want to be part of God's kingdom, if we really want to understand what it looks like to, to follow after God, there's attitudes we need to embrace. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And we're not only going to do one of them today. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screen for you. One of the Beatitudes that Jesus hits on that I think we read over really quick because we're like, I'm either good at that or there's no real application for me. It's found in in verse number nine of Matthew chapter five. So in all these blessed, blessed are this person, blessed is the meek, blessed is this. Jesus gets to this one that says, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Well, they'll be called the children of God. So those of people that follow after God should be known, believers, Christians, People that have a relationship with Christ, that have put their faith in him, should be peacemakers. Now, don't raise your hand, but is that true of you? Here's one of the areas where I'm perfect. I am a peacemaker. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. No, no, no. Lean into that for a second. I think, one, we misunderstand what this verse is saying. Like, oh, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm pretty good at this. Like, I don't cause problems. I mean, I'm, I keep the peace. Like, when it comes to other people, I don't, I get it. I'm not supposed to be, like, getting involved or throwing bows or something. Like, I'm good. I'm pretty mild. That's not me. We like to interpret that verse as, blessed are the peacekeepers, right? That's not what it says. What's it say? Peacemakers. What's the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker? A peacekeeper is assuming that there's already peace, and I'm just not supposed to mess it up. As long as everything's good, I just don't act like a turd in a punch bowl and everything's fine. I'll just, I'm not going to cause any problems. And so we assume that Christianity means like, just don't get in any fights with anybody. That's not what it's talking about. And I also know there's the people in here in this room that you're like, I don't like these kind of peace messages because I'm a fighter. Like, you're like, you just, everything sets you off. You just want, you're like, I'm redheaded. I got a temper. Here we go. And by the way, I don't know why this was like the old style fighting stance. Like, here we go, stick them up. Like, this is how we make fun of people from like 100 years ago. Like, this is how we used to fight. And like, I think like in the future, like how like people fight now, they'll make fun. Like maybe the future fighting is like more like, I don't know, but like, this is, this is how I envision it. I'm a fighter, pastor. You don't understand. I like to get, I just like to scrap with people. I'm not a peacemaker. No, no, no. I don't, I'm not talking about your temperament. I'm not talking about like, are you, are you meek? I'm talking about the fact that the Bible says, regardless of whether you're one to throw a, a punch or not, this, this, this call to be a peacemaker to be one who brings peace to a time of turmoil. This is what we're supposed to be known for. This is going to be a struggle for you if you haven't embraced last week's idea of humility. It's hard to be a peacemaker if, you, if you're too cocky. I'm just going to be honest. The hardest thing for you to do to step in and bring peace when you think that you all of a sudden have got it all, you're, you're not going to be what the Bible calls you to be in the terms of being a peacemaker. This is what it says in Romans chapter 12. 
in verse number 18, it says that if, if it's at all possible, if it's possible for you, which it is, just for the record, if you're struggling with today's message, tomorrow at work, it will be possible. You just have to own that it's possible. Tomorrow when you're talking to your kids or to your parents, it is possible most of the time for you to make peace. If it, as far as it depends on you, you should live peaceably with all. Now, this, there's a lot more depth here than I, get, I have time to go into today. This idea that like, well, uh, does that mean we're, we're never supposed to fight? No, I mean, you can clearly see Jesus, Jesus, the guy who's preaching this, is also the guy who kicks over tables in the, in the temple and drives people out with a whip. That's not very peaceable, right? There is a thing for standing up and, and doing what's right in the face of things being wrong. He's not talking about just getting rolled over and, and, and being a pushover and letting bad things happen. What he's speaking to here is you do not always have to get your way. You do not always have to be the one that's vindicated in every fight. You do not always have to be the one who makes sure that you come out of it looking the best. Well, I don't like that very much. Well, you're being more like Jesus. Jesus deserved to have people bowing down to him, kissing his feet. He deserved to never have anybody argue with him. And yet repeatedly, people talk down, disrespect him, think they know more than him. And he just meekly is like, okay. And then he would just go on. And if I'm Jesus, if you're Jesus, we, we probably have a little bit of fun and like make like, like a, I don't know, like a big zit on their nose pop up or like, I don't know, or like, I don't know, something, something a little bit more malicious. Like we would want to get our way. We would want to make sure that we, we were known to be right. And yet Jesus models being a peacemaker over and over again. We're going to struggle with this. And this is, this is going to be a, a, a more of a practical application. You're going to hear today. Uh, and you're going to be sitting in here in a church service, and you're like, okay, peacemaker. It's going to really hit the road tomorrow when you're not at church, and you're not around church people, and the pastor isn't encouraging you, and now you've got to talk to your boss. Or you're interacting with your ex, or you're bumped into your neighbor who still hasn't returned your lawnmower, and your grass is getting long, and you're like, okay. Hey, no. like, there's going to be all these kind of times where what you hear today you can hear and just kind of put it in the back, or you can say, hey, I've got to start practicing this. And this is where it's going to become a little bit rougher for you. So this is where I'd like to focus a little bit of our time today is found in the book of James. And James kind of speaks to this idea of really what it looks like to live peaceably. I want to start in verse 17 of James chapter 3. I'm going to show you what it says. It says, the wisdom that's from above, first of all, is pure, but it is also peace-loving, gentle at times willing to yield to others you should be making a list if you have a bible you should be underlining what it looks like to live peaceably gentle willing to yield to others it's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds it shows no favoritism and it's always sincere and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness what verse 18 is saying there is that there is a field of righteousness. There is, this, there is this benefit to having a lifestyle of being a peacemaker. If you want the benefits of being at peace, and I'm not just talking about the peace that means tranquility. I'm also talking about the peace that means the absence of war, the absence of conflict, and vice versa. This, this peace that, that God is, is promoting and, and, and how he's calling us to plant seeds of it, 
I believe that if you will make this a practice, as imperfect as you are right now, if you follow the perfect example of Christ who repeatedly planted seeds in people's lives and went out of his way and bent over backwards to show love and mercy and didn't show favoritism and didn't show uh, this kind of self-centeredness, didn't look at himself as better than others. He, he modeled humility as we talked about last week. He did all of the things. He just was, was overly above and beyond merciful. Now you're planting seeds and I promise you, you're going to hear a message like this and then you're going to go try to be nice. You're going to try to be a peacemaker. And it's going to blow up in your face. And you're going to be like, yeah, Josh lied to me. Ah, the Bible doesn't work. Nobody plants a seed and you're like, plant a seed. Where's my tomatoes? <laughs> Slow your roll, bro. You got to like water. You got to give it some time. But as you begin to plant seeds in your family, as you begin to plant seeds at work, as you begin to plant seeds in your neighborhood, in your relationship, in your marriage, with your kids, as you begin to plant seeds in all of these different areas, it's going to take some time. You want to know why? They're used to you being a royal turd. And they're like, I don't even, I don't even know why he's planting those. I don't believe him or I don't believe her. They're going, to, it's going to, they're going to be skeptical because of how much of a jerk you've been. Nobody's nodding their head, so you must be under conviction. Um, this is how we plant these seeds and we wait to see what God's going to do with them. I want to give you, I want to give you a, like a quick, like visible walkthrough really quick. Okay. Let me, let me give you an illustration. All right. All right. Um, I'm going to need some, some help. Megan and Jeff, will you guys come up here for a second? This is going to be fun. You guys get to be the first ever human illustration at the New Harbor Church. All right. Let's give it up for Megan and Jeff. This one's Megan, that one's Jeff. All right, so Megan, you get to represent all of us, okay? Jeff, you get to represent all the people that we don't like, okay? Sorry about that. We're gonna do live marital counseling right now for millions of people, no, I'm just kidding. Um, this is what I wanna walk you guys through. If you're here and you're married, you can use this in, in your marriage as an illustration, you and then your spouse, this could be you and your kids, this could be you and your parents, whatever, you got, whatever relationship, this might, this might be you and this is your boss. Or if you're the boss, this might be that employee that you can't get to do the right thing. I don't know what relationship you're struggling where there isn't peace. And the definition of peace as it's used here is this absence of conflict, okay? So what I want you to picture, and if you're honest, there's probably more than one person, but like picture the person that you have an absence of peace or you have a conflict with. There is, there is a uh, an ongoing uh, awkwardness, headbutting. And if, if you are married, you know that from time to time, uh, that could be in, in your marriage. So here's, here's how it works. I mean, not you guys, no, not, not me either, but it's other people. Um, <laughs> here's how it works. This, is, this, is, this passage speaks to this idea that we're going to struggle to have this kind of peace. So we read verses 17 and 18. I want to read you the verses that come right before them, okay? So this is what it says in verse number 13 in the same chapter. If you're wise, and this is what James is speaking about, the whole chapter is about wisdom. If you're wise, you're going to understand God's ways. You're going to prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility. There's that word again. That comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous, there is selfish ambition in your heart. Don't cover up the truth by boasting or lying. There's arrogance again. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things 
are earthly and unspiritual and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. And then the next verse goes back into that piece that we just read about. So here, I'm going to have you stand here. Now, do you want to you swing that to how that feels? Okay, so this is, this is all of us as we want to take out aggression on all the people who need aggression taken out on. Do you want to practice swing that? I mean, it, you know, you ready to go? All right. She's like, oh boy, I may have just got myself in more trouble than it's worth. All right. So this is the, this is us. And, and truthfully, most of us are looking for an excuse to swing our bat, to swing that stick. We are, we're looking for the, the reason, like set me off, go ahead, go ahead. Just give me, give me a reason. And this may be your spouse. This may be your friend. This may be that neighbor. You, you're already ticked off. You already feel like everybody else in your life has just been attacking you. Like, I'm, if I'm getting hit by 20 different people, I'm, I'm going to come out swinging. Just somebody get in my way. Now, maybe that's not you, or maybe you're just not willing to own that today. But truthfully, it doesn't take much for us to be the attacker. And here, I'm going to take this back. When, when we are interacting with our spouse, our flesh is going to do all of those things that we just read. So when you tee off, I want you to look at them, okay? All right. Now, you guys envision whatever your interaction is, employee, whatever. He just said something. She just said something. They just did something. Your kid just boldly lied to your face. Marker in hand. Wall has been scribbled on. I didn't do it. You know, you're like, you're clearly lying. Um, It could be anything, anything here. What our flesh does is that verse. So if you bring that up, it says selfishness and jealousy. It says that when, when this person does something to us, our flesh and our, our adversary arm us with all the reasons. And so your flesh or Satan is going to keep trying to put this in your hand. And, and you're going to have this interaction. You're going to have this, this battle where, where it's going to go, how dare he say that? You better. Here you go. How dare, how dare they do that? Just, just let me mess with you for a second here. <laughs> Take it. I didn't prep them for this, okay? perfect all right so i'm just gonna lean over here okay so um your flesh will keep trying to arm you in a way that you it will do more damage in the middle of that conversation and some of you had those conversations this morning your pride comes in and goes Hey, how dare he do that? And, 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 and our adversary and our flesh keeps telling us, take this bat and beat him. And like the, you can take it. The temptation, the temptation is to take it and start swinging. How many times in the middle of a conversation are we filled with anger, disappointment? We're filled with rage. How many times can we not believe he just said that? She just did that. We just had a conversation about this at work. We just had this. We, I just told you that if your grades don't come up, and then you, you respond by like slacking. Like, there's so many conversations, and, I'm, and, and, and this is for everybody. I don't care how old or young you are. This could be you talking back to one of your parents. This could be like, how come you can't, you can't embrace where I'm at? This could be you interacting with that friend who is there sometimes and then stabs you in the back sometimes. This frustration, this arming that comes, if, if I represent Satan, if I represent your flesh, my job is constantly to speak to that, that, that whole list, this ambition. Selfish ambition says, you're such a much better boss. You deserve so much better of an employee than this. Wail on him. Make sure he understands that he, he sucks at his job and that you're the boss. And, and, the, and, 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 and the, your flesh and, and, and 
The Bible calls Satan a great tempter. The temptation will constantly be whispered in your ear. As a spouse, how dare they? Don't they know all the work that you do for them? Don't they know all the stuff? here? And they're just going to keep putting this, this in our hands. We're going to stand there going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how I'm supposed to react. I don't know what it is that God's calling me to do. And in that moment, and I don't care if it's your professor who sprung something on you and you swear that's not in the syllabus, or if it's that student who you gave like 15 extra hours to to try to help them, they still... Every side of it, both, both ways, it's working this way. And this is what you need to understand. That in these kind of relationships, if you're here and, and your flesh is going, hey, hit him. He's a jerk. I can't believe he would do that to you. I can't believe he didn't listen. How many times did you tell him what you wanted? And it's going to arm you. The same thing is happening to the other person. And if this person is your son, if this person is your, your wife, if this person is your teacher, they're over here going, I can't believe. And they have the same battle going on inside of them. And they're being armed. Now, hey, you, you let her know where she, she needs to step up. You need to let her know what's up. And, and he didn't hesitate. This is what you know. He didn't hesitate. Whoo, here we go. Both of you in this battle are going to have your flesh and, and, and what, is, what is honestly a, a supernatural influence, what the Bible referred there to as demonic, this dark influence going, hey, you deserve better. You need to unleash the opposite of peace. I, you're going to have this temptation. It's okay to be in conflict with her because she's not lining up with what you want. And they're going to hear the same thing. If, the, if he doesn't value, if they don't see the, 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 what, what you're going through, this pride, this ambition to see me promoted, to see me get what I want, to see me taken care of, will make you resent him and you'll be armed with, I'm using a Nerf bat because I didn't know how serious they were going to take it, but like you're going to be armed with way more than a Nerf bat. I want you guys to be thinking about this. If this was your marriage, if this was your relationship, if this was your work environment, the things that are being armed aren't Nerf bats. There's some really hateful words. There's some really deep things. There's some actions that can't be taken back. There's some things that will be lobbed during this course that it'll pop into your mind, some things that you're going to do, a reaction. Sometimes the, 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 the bat that's being put in your hand is, well, then we're just going to ignore him and we're going to make him pay for that. And then we're, or the, the bat for, for over here is like, oh yeah, well then let's just make sure that everybody over here, let's talk about her. She sucks. Do you guys know how much she sucks? And we're going to, that, it's, it's not just always this kind of interaction. Conflict can come from any kind of bat being given to you, any kind of turmoil to pull you apart. You guys can be seated. Thank you guys very much. Give them a round of applause. I believe that this idea of being a peacemaker is so incredibly important to your relationships because this is, what, this is what's going to destroy your ability to have an influence. If Satan can get into mom and dad's relationship, it's going to hurt their ability to impact their kids. If he can get into your life, he's going to make it harder on your parents. If he can corrupt you as a boss, he's going to make it harder for you to be an influence on your employees. If he can, if he can get into your life as grandpa, he's going to make sure that the, uh, the grandkids are going to suffer from it. He's going to arm every Everybody, because what Satan wants, what our flesh wants, is a whole lot of people. Just let me have my way. And when you get a bunch of people who don't have humility and aren't peacemakers and are a whole pack of that list right there, it's, there's no wonder that it says at the end of verse 16 that wherever the, there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Because once everybody starts looking out for themselves... Once everybody starts being armed with the thing that they think makes them right, now you walk into a room full of people that are your family, your friends, you sit down at a table of people that you should be showing love to, and you're already ready to go. Just say something. Go ahead. 
And, and, and you guys know you can see it in other people. You have a friend that you're like, you, you say one small thing, and they're like, yeah, and you're like, wow, I would never do that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And this is where our, our flesh pulls us away, and our flesh tells us that it's okay to be selfish and jealous and overly ambitious. And so there are several areas that you need to focus on in this idea of being a peacemaker. There's this idea, there's two of them, that you have direct influence, and two, that you have more of a passive influence. The direct influence would be you and another person, which I hope you were putting yourself in either Megan or Jeff's shoes today. There's going to be the idea, you need to be a peacemaker between you and the person that you're in conflict with. There's also a call to be a peacemaker between two separate parties, and this is awkward, right? When there's two separate parties that are going at it, the Bible also tells us that we're supposed to try to help bring peace to two of our friends or two of our family members. If you're in here and your parents are at odds, you as their son or daughter should be trying to be a peacemaker, not an instigator. If you're in here and you're going, yeah, well, my best friend and my boss are going at it over some kind of thing at work, some kind of raise or equipment or something, you're not supposed to stoke the fire or play neutral. We all love to be Switzerland, don't we? Well, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just, I'm good. That works. That works if you're all about you, if you're only trying to protect you. But God says you're to be a peacemaker. So there is conflict, and sometimes you step into conflict. The problem is it's awkward to step in when two people are going at it. And we usually screw it up. I actually found a great video illustration of when we screw it up. Watch this. Go on. Oh, I'm grateful. Eh? No. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> hey, look, a midget. How do you like that? I got to... <laughs> it's a whale. Oh, I got one. I got one. Oh, boy. <laughs> This is your first experience with the Three Stooges. You're welcome. Um, not that I would normally advocate violence, especially on a message about peace, but I thought it played well to how I felt sometimes looking at two people struggling. Now, on occasion, you see a conflict and you, you think, I'll jump in and help this person and that'll make things better. And what you need to understand is that a peacemaker is concerned about both sides. Nobody? You think you're helping by let me come over here. And, and listen, in that quick clip, Larry thinks he's, he's helping Curly get this fish. 
doesn't realize the damage he's doing to his buddy Mo. Now, obviously, it's a joke, but in real life, this plays out a lot sadder. When you jump in and, and you go, okay, hey, I'm going to come over here. In, in an effort to help somebody, and we usually help them wrong, and I'll explain that here in a second, we actually do more damage to the relationship. We actually hurt somebody else even worse. Because sometimes when you step in, and you step in because you have a loyalty over here, or show favoritism, as that verse already said, you, you actually compound the conflict. And a real peacemaker says, I love you both the same. Now, truthfully, it's hard because this one's a really good friend, and this one is less of a friend, so you kind of want to go over here. But that doesn't help. If you do love this person a lot, it doesn't help them for you to come over and be like, yeah, yeah, they're wrong. They suck. I'm with you. And, and you just compound all of their anger and frustration. That does not help the situation. You are not being a peacemaker. Do not pat yourself on the back for all the help you gave because you and your friend went over and you just whined all day. That wasn't helpful. They weren't venting. You just gossiped about somebody else. Call it what it is. You were sinning with, with them. Did get a lot of amens on that one. I'm going to go back. Um, I'm going to tell you my, my temptation is, I'm like, if I get down here and I just help pull, this is going to help this person and they're going to know how much I love them and I'm helping them get through this conflict. And truthfully, all we've done is we've made it worse between them and somebody else. How many times have your friends been at it and you're going, okay, I don't want to pick sides and you don't have to pick sides. A peacemaker doesn't say, I'm validating this person and invalidating this person. The peacemaker, <clears throat> the peacemaker, <laughs> sorry about that. The peacemaker is the person that would be willing to step in. And usually if you do it <laughs> like Jesus did it, you're going to end up taking the brunt from both people. I, I hate to say it that way. If you mediate between two, two areas of conflict, you're, uh, you're probably not going to make either one of them really happy because they don't want to see a different perspective. They want to see it from their side. You've got to remember, they've got their flesh and Satan whispering in their ear about how right they are. So they're getting all this ammo given to them about how wrong that person is. And then you step in the middle and you're like, well, well maybe that person isn't as wrong as you think. And you know where they're going to turn their weapons? I knew, and that's, that's an unfortunate part of stepping in the middle. Here's why it's a beautiful picture, and this is why we're more like Christ, and this is what you need to understand, is that when it comes on a spiritual level, there's you and there's God, and you and God were at a huge impasse. There was a lot of conflict spiritually between you and the creator of the universe who made you. Whether you want to believe that or not, it's true. Your choices, your sin, the things that you have done have caused there to be a lack of peace between you and God. If you're in here this morning or if you're watching and you hear these words coming out of my, out of my mouth, understand that you are at a conflict with God right now. Your sin, your imperfections, my imperfections are an affront to a holy and righteous and perfect God. And because God is holy and righteous and perfect, our sin has no place with him. Now, God wants a relationship with us. He wants to walk with us. He designed us to be in, in communion and relationship with him. But the brokenness inside of us and all the things that we've done wrong, all the times we've been disobedient or selfish towards our fellow man, that's what the Bible calls sin. And that has made it so there is no peace between us and God. It's actually added conflict. Because righteousness and 
and sin have no place together. So it's like trying to put light and darkness together. They push each other apart. And, and so what Jesus did, and the Bible says that Jesus was the ultimate mediator. He stepped in to make peace between us and God. And how do most of us look at Jesus, a Jesus who would die for us? We usually, and there's a part of us, and maybe you're struggling with it today, or you, maybe you remember back, where you went, I don't need that. I can take care of me. I don't, and we almost reject Jesus. And some of you are, are still in the phase rejecting Jesus. I don't need that help. I don't need your love. I don't need your forgiveness. Because we feel this, this empowerment to stay armed with all the things that have been wrong for us. All the injustice in the world that's on our case, we are so armed to the teeth with all the things that we think that, that we need better, that we are, we, we are fighting Jesus, who is actually the one stepping in between us and the wrath of God. Now, what you need to understand, the Bible's very clear about this, is that God's wrath will get poured out on sin. And that if you enter into eternity, if you take your last breath here on this earth, if you die and you have rejected Jesus Christ the mediator, if you've rejected the one who brings peace, then there is nothing else standing between you and the wrath of God. Not that God hates you, it's that God hates sin. And you've chosen to reject God's son and embrace your sin because peace felt like it was too much of a reach. And in that moment, what you've done is you've doomed yourself to a life in hell. Hell is the payment for sin. And Jesus, in all of his mercy, because that's what a peacemaker is, stepped in and said, I'm going to embrace all of the punishment for your sin. And he looked at a Josh, he looked at one of you, and he said, I'm going to take all of your payment as the peacemaker. I'm going to take that on me so that you have an opportunity to not incur the wrath of the payment, but instead you can have a relationship with God. When it comes to us and other people, we directly influence the battles between ourselves and somebody else. We can passively influence two other people. And there's a lot of takeaways you can get from the life of Jesus and interacting with people who are struggling. I, I would tell you, you're never going to benefit from coming over to this one and talking about that one. That's not how Jesus did it. That's not how you and I should do it. If you have a problem and you come to me, I, you and I are not going to talk about somebody else. You and I are going to talk about you and I. Because you and I getting together talking about that person never helps that person. We help each other. And that's what Jesus did. He interacted because like, hey, listen, they may, be, they may have tons of faults, but what can you do? Where can you be better? Because guess what? Who, guess who you get to influence? You get to influence you. So you work on you and let God work on them. This is where it should be even better inside of a church because both sides should have Jesus, should have this push to make peace. But we can't always affect who the other party is. We do get a chance to say, hey, how do I respond? Do I respond with humility or do I respond with selfishness? The conflict that you're in right now that maybe has been ongoing for weeks, months, years, I can't promise you that the other person will respond the right way, but I can promise you that when you embrace the peace that Jesus brings, it changes your heart. And what was being ammoed and, and loaded up with my pride and my jealousy and my hurt feelings and my bitterness and my desire for revenge, I am now laying them down. And even though that person is a royal dirtbag, 
I know that when it comes to me and God, I was the royal dirtbag. And if God will forgive me and show mercy to me, then what I'm supposed to do in return is do the same for the other people around me. Now, I can't promise you that the other people in your life will reciprocate it, but I can promise you that God wants you to be more like him than like them. You're supposed to model for them what Jesus did for you. And so maybe it is your mom, maybe it is your boss, maybe it is that person that has done nothing but trash talk you for years. You're supposed to treat them the way Jesus treated you, which is step in and say, hey, I want you to have a relationship with God. And it's more important to me that you have a relationship with God than it is that I look good. And so Jesus humbly hung on a cross, half naked, beaten to death because he cared more about this person and this person having a relationship than he cared about himself looking good. And he modeled that for you and I. And a real peacemaker, if you really wanna be good at peacemaking, is you care more about that person and their relationship with God than you care about yourself. So you can actively affect your relationship with somebody else and your relationship with God, and you can passively affect two other people or somebody else in their relationship with God. But all of it, for your application today, comes back to your willingness to respond to, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? What does it mean for us to embody who it is that Jesus was? John chapter 14, verse number 27, this is Jesus' direct words. If you have a Bible in red, these would be in red. Jesus says this, I'm leaving you. He's talking to his disciples and the people that are following. I'm leaving you with a gift. Here's what I'm going to give you. Here's my gift. And when Jesus, the guy who walks on water and can take like a small loaf and feed thousands of people, wants to give you something, you're like, here we go. Jesus, give me a Lamborghini. Come on now. Here we go. He goes, I'm giving you a gift. Peace. I was looking for something else. <laughs> Winning lottery numbers and anything. He goes, no, peace. This is what you need. I'm giving you peace of mind and heart. The peace I give you is something that the world can't give you. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now remember, this is Jesus leaving his disciples. He says, the best thing I can give you is peace. Why is that the best thing? That, why is that Jesus' parting gift? Because he knows how much we need it. He knows how much we need peace. He gave us peace or the opportunity to have peace between us and God if we'll just embrace that forgiveness. And he empowers us to be peacemakers in all of our relationships. But it's going to require us looking more like Jesus and less like ourselves. Will you bow your heads with me? I want to just ask you to take a second, close your eyes and bow your heads and give everybody a little bit of privacy. In the quiet of this moment, I'd like to ask you, where do you fall in this idea of I need to be at peace? Where do you fall in the call to be a peacemaker? I believe that if you open your heart right now in the quiet of this moment with nobody looking around, just have a moment between you and God. God, am I struggling? Am I in conflict with you or am I in conflict with anyone else? Show me today. Let me repent of that. Let me, let me find forgiveness. Let me own the fact that I've let there be a rift between me and a loved one, between me and a coworker, between me and a friend or a family member, a, a sibling, a parent, 
an employee. God, show me where I've allowed conflict to come in, where I've allowed there to be an absence of peace. Convict me right now, God, show me. And if, you're, if you'll have that prayer, I believe God will bring somebody to your heart. It may be the person you're sitting next to. It may be that God just wants to touch your life and show you that you can be a peacemaker. But it's going to have to start with the peace of Jesus Christ, the one who is the Prince of Peace, the one who brings peace between you and God. It's going to have to start with you finding a peace between you and God first. So as you listen to my voice, maybe you're hearing God also speak to you and say at the same time, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be at peace with you. Do you feel that pull on your heart? Do you feel that tug deep down inside to have a relationship with God, to be at peace, to truly have no conflict between you and God, but to be at peace with him? Then would you just embrace God today? Would you embrace the peace that Jesus paid for? Simply invite him into your heart. Invite him to be the one that cleans you up. You don't have to do all these good things. You just have to believe in Jesus. Trust him. Accept his forgiveness. Let that peace start in you and then radiate out to others. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.